0: We come now to the third and last message in this, um, I would say, uh, significant subject we're considering. The general subject is shepherding in mutuality for the building up of the body. Of Christ. So I'd like to present just a brief review of some of the main points that I tried to share in the first two messages, and then introduce message three, the subject of which is shepherding according to God. We all are very familiar, maybe so familiar that it's difficult to be freshly impressed with the Lord's great prophecy. On this rock, I will build my church. And from that point on, Well, into the book of Revelation, we see this building taking place on the one hand through the resurrected and ascended Christ in his heavenly ministry. And on the other hand, through the believers as members of the body of Christ functioning according to their measure for the building up of the body of Christ. A number of times recently, uh, I and others have commented on and shared our feelings about what seems to be that we're nearing the consummation of the age. The consummation of the age, to be exact, is the last three and a half years of the 70th week prophesied in Daniel. We are still in the gap between the 69th and the 70th week. This is the age of the church, the age of grace, the age of mystery. But it's been nearly 2,000 years. And the end, the consummation, may be drawing near. We will know for sure when the 70th week begins with the nation of Israel entering into a covenant with a powerful European leader who eventually will be Antichrist. So we are not there yet, but there is a widespread feeling that we may be approaching it. The world situation with the pandemic causes many of us to consider this. But this age, the age of mystery, cannot be completed until the greatest prophecy, I will build my church, has been fulfilled. That is the building up of the church as the body of Christ. Dear saints, when And where and how will this ever take place? We are in the Lord's recovery for this. This was in God's heart when he shepherded all of us here and shepherded us here as his flock. This is what we are living for humanly and as believers to fulfill the desire of God's heart, to build up the church as the body of Christ. And we have heard and spoken again and again, and this is necessary, that the body, by growing, builds itself up in love. The gifts given to the body for perfecting cannot and do not build up the body directly. That is not their portion. It is to supply all the members So that they would be equipped in the all-sufficient grace of God to function in their measure, to participate in arriving at the new man, the building up of the body of Christ. And shepherding in mutuality is for this. If, now it's been 25 years since Brother Lee spoke these words, at least, maybe more than that, only the great shepherd, the chief shepherd knows where we are with respect to shepherding in mutuality. And this is the burden in these three messages. The realization that we are all sheep and we are all shepherds. This light needs to really dawn on us. I look to the Lord's Spirit To do what only He can do, to make this real to us. I'm a sheep, redeemed by the Lord Jesus through the shedding of His blood. But I am also a little shepherd. I have been shepherded, and I can shepherd some others. Yes, we know from Acts 20 and as I'll point out from First Peter 5, the elders, the overseers, bear the responsibility for shepherding the church as the flock of God. But they are not a special class. They take the lead. I like the expression Brotherly used somewhere that the elders are the leading sheep. And they are patterns for the other sheep. We do not have our own version of clergy laity. The elders who are the overseers, are not on a higher level from the rest of us. In the church, I'm not an elder. I'm not an overseer. I honor them. I'm one with them. I support them. I follow their leading. I'm just one of the sheep. And ministering the word as I try to do by the Lord's mercy and grace doesn't put me in another category. I'm a brother who seems to have some measure to share this with saints. We all need to realize that we have Christ as our good shepherd Our chief shepherd, our great shepherd, the shepherd of our souls, he and only he can shepherd. But he wants to live a shepherding life in all of us as we grow in him and learn of him, even learn him, so that we more and more can participate in shepherding in mutuality. We realize we need all-inclusive tender care of the Lord and of the body and we humbly open to receive that and also we're becoming clear that we are Not only sheep, but shepherds. And by the shepherd, the pneumatic Christ living in us, we can shepherd others. I am not able to express the depth of the burden and the feeling in my heart as I'm talking with you. Whether or not we who are presently in the Lord's recovery will see God's goal achieved during our lifetime depends on whether or not there will actually be shepherding in mutuality. It will actually happen. We just look to the Lord and he knows why we do this and ask him that he would not have to wait for another 40 or 50 years for a new generation to be raised up and brought into maturity. We want the Lord to that for free way to move in us and through us and with us now. And so we pointed out that only Christ is the shepherd. We are his flock, his sheep. He became the Lamb of God to die for us. Now, he's the great shepherd and the chief shepherd and the shepherd of our souls. But the more we experience his shepherding from him directly and from him indirectly through members of the body, the more we are able ourselves to do some shepherding. The more we grow in life, the more we are built up. The more we are constituted with Christ, the all-inclusive one. The more we will be not only sheep, but also shepherds. Then as we're coming to the outline for message three, shepherding according to God, I want to emphasize just one other matter. I spoke about it some earlier. But just as a reminder, toward the end of his journey on earth, as Brother Lee was finishing his course, he spoke to the entire recovery regarding what he called a new revival. And we are mistaken if we try to study somewhat of revivals in history and hope for some kind of repeat of that. This will not happen. Our brother made it clear from the word that this new revival will be something unprecedented something that has never happened on the earth and how is that how is that possible it's because of the three aspects of the new revival They've been fully revealed now in a way that matches what is in the New Testament. And the order in which we present them, again following the teaching we received, is the new revival depends upon the high peak of the divine revelation being seen by us and experienced by us. This is not simply a profound teaching, something theological in the depths. This is a vision. And we see Romans 8.3, God sent his Son in the likeness of the flesh of sin, to condemn sin in the flesh. This is God becoming a man, the word becoming flesh. Then we see in Romans 1, 3, and 4, Jesus as a man, the God-man, in his resurrection was begotten to be the firstborn Son of God with both humanity and divinity. He is called the firstborn Son because there are many sons. God is leading into glory, according to Hebrews 2.10. And we are all these God-men, these sons, the children of God. We need a vision of what we are in Christ. Then I already referred to the second aspect of the new revival is the God-man living. Since we are God-men, through Christ's redemption and the Spirit's regeneration, since we are God-men, surely we need to learn to live the life of a God-man. And only our Lord knows to what extent this is taking place in various places and in certain saints. But I'd like to bring in something now as an indicator of our living a God-man life. And I want to briefly present a contrast. As I am speaking this an unlimited number of idle, destructive, death-conveying words are being spoken among many of us. And many of those words are on online. So one person, let's say Sister A, believes something is happening to her, is very unhappy in her situation, and she calls and writes sisters B, C, D, E, F, and G, and just pours out her soul with all kinds of negative things. And all those sisters take what she says. They don't seek to know the other side. And they spread the words. Toward the end of Matthew 12, the Lord tells us, we will give an account of every idle word. He said, by our words, we will be justified And by our words, we will be condemned. I don't recall exactly when was the last time I mentioned this from Genesis, the life study. But one sign of Jacob's maturity was the change in his speaking. And in the life study, there's a section on this. We can trace his development spiritually through the change in his speaking until he could prophesy at the end of his life. And this is what I have observed in truly mature and maturing saints. They realize from that proverb, the book of Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we want, according to Ephesians 4, our words to be full of grace to everyone who hears. I mention this because genuine God-man living will have a, I would say, profound effect on the way we speak, on what we put into emails, on what we text, And whenever we are enlightened by God and convicted by the Spirit that this word should not have been uttered, we repent immediately and clear things up thoroughly. We know that the God-ordained way Climaxes in the God ordained way to meet in mutuality with everyone prophesying. And this prophesying builds up the church. But how can we give a life imparting prophecy? when we're able to meet together again on the Lord's Day morning, but now as we meet through Zoom, how can we just suddenly, instantaneously prophesy with words full of Christ and spirit and life if that does not characterize our daily living? I'm still a trainee in this matter. I am very much under God's governmental dealing regarding this. What I say in conversation and fellowship, what I put into an email, into a text, the the expression God-man-living should not just be terminology to us. The Lord needs us to be seeking him, inquiring him, Lord, what is this? Lord, bring me into this for the sake of the church. Then based upon the high peak of the divine revelation with our realization that we are God-men and based upon the God-men living, there can be shepherding in mutuality. This kind of shepherding, rendering all-inclusive tender care according to the loving and forgiving heart of our Father, and according to the seeking and finding spirit of the Lord Jesus, we care for one another. And our attitude when we're with them, the way we speak with one another, how we pray together, the tone and spirit of our fellowship. If all of this is full of Christ as life, we are shepherding mutually and building up together corporately. So I bring this first part of the message to an end with a word that God's goal in this age is to for Christ to build the church. And he is building the church, his body, through the members of his body. And now we're trying to understand and share the truth that this building requires. Mutual shepherding. We cannot slide back into the ways of the denominations coming together on the Lord's Day for a formal meeting. Then maybe we participate in some service. We need to be governed by the vision and the goal and seek the Lord concerning the high peak truth the God-man living and now the God-man shepherding in mutuality so this opens the way, at least I hope it does for message three shepherding according to God. And I believe right now you can grasp the thought, we have to be God in life and nature. And we shepherd according to the divine life and nature that's being wrought into us to make us God-men. And the first reference in the scripture reading is 1 Peter 5, 2, but I will read verses 2 through 4. And remember, this is the Apostle Peter, who had this colossal failure along with the other Apostles. And he was broken and humbled. He was sifted by Satan, as the Lord said they would be. And the Lord came to him and said, shepherd, feed. Surely those words Peter will remember, I believe, eternally. And now when he writes about shepherding in this epistle he's doing it. He is feeding he is shepherding the flock and he says to the elders among them and he speaks as a fellow elder what should you do Shepherd the flock of God among you, overseeing, not under compulsion, but willingly according to God, not by seeking gain through base means, but eagerly, nor as loading it O lording it over your allotments, but by becoming patterns of the flock. And when the chief shepherd is manifested, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So I will comment on these verses And then walk with you through the outline and stay within the same time allocation that I have in the Lord placed on myself. I I want to keep it within a certain time frame. Okay, shepherd the flock of God. Let's remember the flock is of God. God is the source and the flock is his. And the flock is among us. The primary shepherding is with those who are in our locality, who are among us. Overseeing, not under compulsion, but willingly. A mother doesn't pour out her being, living a life of sacrifice for her children because of compulsion, because she's under a law. She's just being what she is. This is what mothers are. And they're living and they're doing our expressions of what they are. And so we shepherd willingly. If we sense in us a distaste for this, we say we're not people, persons. I have too many problems. I need this and that. Let someone else take care of them. Then we need more Christ to be wrought into us so we do it willingly. Shepherd the flock of God according to God. This is where we get the subject. Not by seeking gain through base means but eagerly. And so we can say, we shepherd. We, we should be able to say, we shepherd without seeking anything for ourselves. No gain. We're not looking for praise, for appreciation, for a good reputation. We're not doing this to get something for ourselves. We're doing this for the flock of God. And not as lording it over the allotments, but by becoming patterns of the flock. Patterns of the flock. In Hebrews 13... Paul is telling the saints to just follow the faith of the leading ones. Becoming patterns of the flock. Patterns of what? What does the flock see? Well, Since shepherding is according to God, the flock needs to see in the pattern God in life, in nature, in his love, his mercy, his compassion, his forbearance, his wisdom, his long-suffering. And to see a God-man living. Because the shepherding is according to God. And then we see in verse 4, when the chief shepherd is manifested, the elders who have been faithful in shepherding will receive the reward. They did not seek any glory, any reward during the present age, and they didn't want to. They could stand before the Lord to say, I only care for the building up of the body. I'm not here to get a name for myself. What others say, but they go online anonymously and say, I don't care. I just want to fulfill my measure in shepherding the flock. And then when the Lord comes, those who have shepherded according to God will receive an unfading crown of glory. And so will it be for all of us. I repeat... The elders are called, or they're charged to shepherd. Paul said this in Acts 20, shepherd the flock of God over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Peter says the same. But let's remember, they're not the clergy. There's no hierarchy. They are the leading sheep they're able to care and lead other sheep. Okay, now we can go through the outline. And the first section, the longest of the seven sections, opens up first Peter five two, then the other sections strengthen and develop somewhat what's in the first section. Peter charged the elders to shepherd the flock of God according to God. According to God means that we live God. Now, where should be the first place where we live God? I think you would agree, I hope, with my saying, the first place should be at home with our spouse, with our children. And I am still learning this after so long, not to have two lives, one outwardly in the church it's not it's sincere it's with exercise it's not a performance and then at home there can be less exercise of the spirit less godmen living so we need as godmen to be trained to live god B, when we are one with God, we become God in life and nature, and we are God in our shepherding of others. We're not God with his sovereignty. We're not God with his government. We're God with his shepherding heart. To shepherd according to God is to shepherd according to God's nature, desire, way, and glory, not according to our preference, interest, purpose, and disposition. Shepherding according to God's nature, How can we do this? We need God's nature. To be wrought into us. God's desire. We sense the desire of God's heart. Is that this dear sheep. Would experience and enjoy Christ. And grow in life. And have the real human needs. Met for this purpose and participate in the building up of the body and God's way. Oh, how different are God's ways from our ways, we know from Isaiah 55. As far as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. God's way of caring for problems in the church and God's way of caring for the members of the church is altogether different from our own ways that are according to what we are by nature and for God's glory. Indeed, a shepherd according to God is the shepherd according to what God is in his Attributes. What God is in His attributes. Surely we think of righteousness, holiness, light, love. These are perhaps the most basic. But twice. If I remember correctly, in Romans, Paul speaks of the kindness of God. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. I can share at least a little bit that as a sheep, when I have been cared for by other sheep, often I sensed in that other sheep the kindness of God. You sense the kindness in this dear brother or sister, the kindness of God toward you. And then God's compassion, God's mercy God's faithfulness, and on it goes, how we need to become such God-men, so that the divine attributes become our human virtues. In order to shepherd according to God, we need to become God in life, nature, expression, and function. We need to be filled to the brim with the divine life. Enjoying the triune God as the fountain, the spring, and the river to become a totality of the divine life. Even to become the divine life itself. Shepherding Involves the overflowing, the outflowing of the divine life. And the one shepherding is a vessel of life. His being is life. His countenance, his presence, his words express life. we have no answers to others' problems. I don't have answers to my own. But when life flows and light shines, then this dear one realizes, now I see what to do. Now I know how to care for this. So we need to connect the fountain, the spring, the river, the outflow of life with shepherding one another. Every contact we have with other saints should be in life flowing. We need to become God in his attributes of love, light, righteousness, and holiness altogether. There have been instances a good number. Where brothers, especially, they had the responsibility to take care of a matter, a certain kind of mistake or failure. And they do it with much righteousness. But with virtually no love. This happens. They're just conscious of righteousness what this person did was against God's righteousness it's wrong it's even sinful and we have to be faithful to put a restriction or give some certain kind of fellowship and they endeavor to be righteous and they need to be righteous But without love, that other sheep, that weak failure of a sheep, will acknowledge this righteousness. I agree. I have no excuse. I agree. But they also realize there is no love here. So that is in shepherding. The brothers might think, "Well, wow, we really shepherded the flock. Really? Well, check with the chief shepherd. Inquire of him. Lord, how does you feel about our fellowship? Now leave that to them and the Lord. Three, we need to be the reproduction of Christ. The expression of God, so that in our shepherding we express God, not the self, with its disposition and peculiarities. Many of us can say honestly, without negative feelings, and without painful. Memories. We can say we understand this point. We have experienced what is called shepherding with brothers who were mainly acting in the self and according to their disposition. This has happened. This is not an elder's training. If it were, I would have to be more firm along with mercy. This is serious for an elder or a leading one in any aspect of the church life to think they're shepherding someone. And it's so clear you are shepherding from the self. And even more, according to your disposition. And that has an effect on the other sheep. They can't say anything. Because they're the one that made the mistake. Or had the failure. But they're not blind. But what a difference if they sense... Oh, this is God expressed. I come away from this time realizing I met God. And God came to me in his righteousness and in his love. And I know in his heart, he wants to recover me. For we need to become God in his function of shepherding the flock of God according to what he is and according to his goal in his economy. Here we have, in all the points in this section, the three aspects of the New Revival. And I inquire of the Lord, and I'm including myself as a needy one, Lord, when will this actually happen among us? Lord, we just turn to you and open to you and call out to you. We need your heavenly ministry. We need you as the great shepherd of the flock. Bring us into this, Lord, to consummate the age, to build up your body, to prepare your bride. We come to you just as we are and where we are. Lord, lead us on. And now, the other supporting points I will cover within less than 20 minutes reading and briefly commenting. Two, if we would shepherd according to God, we need to become one with God. The basic principle of the Bible is that God in his economy, that in his economy, God is making himself one with man and man one with him. It would be good if sometimes we would pray a simple prayer, Lord, today, make yourself more one with me. And Lord, do what you need to do and give me the experiences I need for you to make me one with you. God desires that the divine life and human life be joined together to become one life that has one living. So this point brings forward the thought of we're not just God in life and nature, we are God-men, and we need Jesus Christ as our meal offering to make us Jesusly human and divinely human. Because as many of us can testify, when we have been helped, it has been the humanity of this dear one fellowshipping with us that cherished us, that melted us, that opened us. God was there expressed in a human way. Three, shepherding according to God requires that we be constituted with God. God desires to dispense himself into our being so that our being may be constituted with his being to be one constitution with his being. As the divine being, God infuses us with his element, causing us to be the same as he is in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. My brothers and sisters there, I don't know what else to say other than we need to pray about this. Shepherding according to God requires that we be constituted with God. We need to pray for this. Lord, I have today, one day at a time. Lord, constitute me more with yourself. Fill me with all that you are. Make us the same. Make me the same. Not, I don't want to be, quote, spiritual, to be any kind of hero. Lord, I just want to be a normal God-man, living a God-man life and shepherding in mutuality. Point four, only those who live God can shepherd accordingly. To God, God's economy is to work himself into us so that we may receive him as our life and life supply in order to live him. We are participating in the divine life and the divine nature so that we can live God in our Humanity, and we're familiar with Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live; it is Christ who lives in me. Well, how can there be a me? Is not me, I? Well, this is a new me, a believer. With Christ in him. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live. I live in the faith of the son of God. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. So he lives. And we live. And we live by faith. And faith means. I can't be this. I can't do this. Only God can be this and do this. Lord, do it in me as I live my human life. Five. God's intention in his economy is to dispense himself into us as our life and nature, making us the same as he is in life and nature to express him. So a key word here is dispense. And if this is real to us, God dispensing himself into us, and if we truly know we are vessels, vessels of mercy unto glory, we come to him as open vessels. Vessels not wanting to know things, not wanting to do things, but wanting to receive today's dispensing. Even while a brother is shaving, inwardly, he could be praying, Lord, make today a day of dispensing. Maybe in the shower, to start your day, this comes up in you to say Lord you're the dispensing triune God I give you today as an open vessel may there be more in you when I go to bed tonight than now little by little day by day God's eternal purpose is to work himself into us as our life so that we may express him a good person expresses the self. A God-man expresses God. So we can't shepherd others by being good and ethical and moral in our natural life. In order to shepherd, we need to express God to one another. And we don't know that we're doing it because it's life and life is spontaneous. The human virtues that are produced in us through our eating, digesting, and assimilating God with his attributes become the expression of God. So we need God's attributes worked into us by our eating, digesting, and assimilating God. This needs to be the daily experience of each one of us. Today, you didn't simply eat one of the meals and the food remains in your stomach until somehow it just disappears. You digest it And then assimilate it. We need to know. Experientially and personally. What it means when we pray read the word. And feed on the word. Feed me Lord Jesus. Give me to drink. Fill all my hunger. Quench all my thirst. Flood me with joy. Be the strength of my life. Fill all my hunger. Quench all my thirst. We need to realize, when we're feeding, when we're eating, we need to open every inward part of our being for digesting and assimilating. Then what we eat of God will become our human virtues through which the divine attributes are expressed. Six. As those who who would shepherd according to God, we need to represent God and function as the acting God. We were created to express God and represent him, all of us, not just extraordinary spiritual people like Brother Ni, Brother Li, Sister Li, all of us, as Godmen, we express God and represent God. That means we function as God acting in the situation. Jehovah made Moses God to Pharaoh. In Moses, God had one to represent him and to execute his will. As the representative of God, Samuel was the acting God. He didn't strut around saying, I'm the acting God, I have authority. No. He doesn't have the Godhead. He's not an object of worship. He's not omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. But he is a man filled with God, who represents God. And in his function... He is God in action, the acting God. Samuel could be the acting God because his being and God's heart were one. Samuel's living and working were for carrying out whatever was in God's heart. The time will come in the foreseeable future when we have a crystallization study of First and Second Samuel, and I believe the Lord will lead us to develop this, living and working to carry out whatever is in God's heart. Could we simply pray this? If you're 17, you're not too young. If you're 97, you're not too old. Is not too soon for the young, not too old, too late for the elderly. Lord, may my living carry out what is in your heart. Then we have another one, Elisha. In his ministry, Elisha the prophet, as the man of God, behaved himself as God's representative, as the acting God. This is what Elisha did. He's really a type of Christ in his ministry. And he was a man of God and behaved as God's representative, as the acting God. And please pay attention to the next part of this sentence. Today, we the believers in christ can be the same we can all be the same we were created for this human beings were created to express god and to represent god christ as the god man fulfilled this he fulfilled genesis 1:26 through 28 in his living By expressing God and representing God. Now we are God men, with the God man Christ living in us, training us to express him and represent him. We, as believers in Christ, can be the same, all of us. Please receive the faith right now to believe this for yourself. To believe that you can become this. That's why I like to use the expression pneumatic moms with their children. The little ones, they can sense something in mother's love. But here you are reading for the forty seventh time, the children's book Curious George got a new iPad. You're reading it again and again in a jesusly human way, but at the same time, you're infusing God into your child. Parents actually represent God to their children. This is why all of us have just repented to the uttermost for our shortcomings but we are in a recovery based upon redemption. Our future is bright. We can go on from here we have a daily living that expresses and represents God. D, as the an ambassador of Christ, one who represented God, Paul was the acting God. Now, the last section, to, sh- to shepherd according to God, is to minister God to others. Second Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. When I was a seminary student, you know, I was not an ordained minister. And I remember when I was with a touring choir and I was supposed to speak something and at the end I said the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit bless you all. After I did that someone came up to me and said you should not have said that you are not an ordained minister, you cannot give this blessing. You should say, may this grace, love and fellowship bless us all. Well, this just shows how subtle is the clergy laity system. We all can be such a blessing to one another. We all can minister the process and consummated triune God to one another. A and B, the triune God is embodied in Christ and realized as the consummated Spirit. This is the God whom we worship, proclaim, and minister to others. I've been saying all along we are God men. That's accurate. But God is triune. So we are really, we are actually triune God-men. We have the triune God in us. John fourteen twenty says, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Prior to that, the Lord said, The Father is in me, I am in him. So the Father's in the Son and the Son is the life-giving Spirit living in us. This is the triune God living in us. I conclude this message by speaking to triune God-men. This is what we are and how we look to the Lord that we may be what we are and live according to what we are. Live what we are, and shepherd according to what we are. If we would minister God to one another, we need to speak words of grace, truth, spirit, and life, ministering the process God who has been wrought into our being. Because of what I mentioned in the early part of the message concerning death and life are in the power of the tongue, I treasure this point and will read it once again and then just say, Amen. My part is finished. If we would minister God to one another, we need to speak words of grace. Words of truth, words of spirit, and words of life. Ministering the processed God who has been wrought into our being. Ministering this God into one another. This is shepherding in mutuality for the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. My part is finished. May the Lord bless you all, fellow sheep and fellow shepherds.